Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Art Detective with me, Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I am a writer, a broadcaster, and a lecturer, but I'm also your chief investigator of images. I'm so happy today because I'm joined by one of my dearest friends in the wonderful world of history and media, Professor Kate Williams, Professor of History at Reading. And we are getting together to talk about someone who I think is rightly one of the most important, notorious celebrities, English celebrities of the 18th century. Emma Hamilton, and you have written a beautiful book about her, haven't you? My first book was on Emma Hamilton, so thrilled to be here with mm-hmm. you, Nina, talking about wonderful Emma Hamilton, thrilled to be an art detective. Yes, my first book was on Emma Hamilton, the and it was her words, it was a letter that I discovered by her. That's when I fell in love with her. I was doing my PhD in seduction at the time, oh. and I was wow, a PhD in seduction. Yes, <laughs> a good no practical <laughs> sections, um, and I uh, was doing. I was looking for letters by women who had been seduced or been trying to seduce themselves, and everything I saw was very, very anodyne. The same sentiments over and over again. And then I came across a letter by Emma, and it was amazing. She was writing to Nelson. She wrote this letter to him after he won the Battle of the Nile, telling him that she wanted him to come and see her in Naples, where she was the ambassador's wife. And she told him she was melting for him, swelling for him. It was, it was, she said she was overcome by agitation and pleasure. It was very racy stuff. And I fell in love with her voice. It was so direct. It was so exciting. But she's, got this amazing voice her letters are incredible but also her portraits are mm. unbelievable they are absolutely magnetic enchanting and they really are not just beautiful but revolutionary in an 18th century sense partly about how they show women but partly about how they show the, the soul in general so although my first entree into Emma, my first love. I fell in love with her, with her words, with her writing, her insane, crazy handwriting, uh, <laughs> which I can't believe I didn't, didn't come out of my PhD with two molecules. Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> the pain, her, the way in which she spins herself on the page is absolutely reflected by the way in which she spins herself in the on the on the canvas. We see that I came across her for the first time as an art historian because of her attitudes. So um, when I was teaching kind of modern developments in performance art and mime and, and that crossover between acting and and art, 
it was Emma that popped up in terms of the idea that she would pose in frames sometimes as a living portrait. And then, of course, the portrait that we're looking at today, Romney. Um, George Romney, probably one of the most important English painters of the 18th century, was absolutely fascinated with her. And, you know, the way that you've described to me about the voice that's coming through, she was obviously deeply alluring to him as well, wasn't she? She definitely was. And the paintings that we're looking at, the great paintings of Emma by Romney, the celebrated, amazing images, they are painted when she's very, very young, when she's 17, when she's a teenager. So the period of attitudes are much later. Mm. That's when she's in her 20s, going into her 30s. And in fact, poor Emma, once Goethe tells her the attitudes are wonderful and fabulous and puts it in his Italian journey, she can never stop doing the, the attitudes. <laughs> she's always doing them, right? When she's exhausted and pregnant, she's got to go out and do the attitudes. So the attitudes are when she's a bit later and also when she's seducing Nelson in the letter that I fell in love with. She's in her early 30s. Uh-huh. So by that point, she's uh, a, a sort of bona fide bombshell. She is this um, bombshell in the attitudes in Naples, uh, well, I believe you've just been on your holiday. I am. Amazing. <laughs> so the ambassador to Naples, her husband, was... William Hamilton. William Hamilton. It was very customary, as we know, for ladies to entertain their husbands after dinner and their friends. But normally that would just be a bit of a tinkling on the ivories, but good, but not too good. And a bit of singing, because I know she a had a great singing, voice, didn't a bit, she? A bit of singing. Yeah. But so what Emma did, she did sing. She was this wonderful... Um, singer at the the, the 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 music books, which are such beautifully illustrated books, a lot of them in Yale. Um, they are very hard to sing. I'm no great singer, but I've I, I've been through them and it's very hard. And but she also had these incredible attitudes where she did op- sometimes in a frame, sometimes out of a frame, put put these poses. She, and she'd move between just as you were saying, she'd wear these sort of drapes and she'd move between tragic poses like Niobe, like Clytemnestra. She'd move to the comic poses, the drunken Bacante. She'd often be falling all over a vase, which is really a bit like the Price is Right kind <laughs> of product placement because her husband was always trying to sell the uh, vases. Of course, they were buying it's, and selling they antiquities, buying antiquities weren't they? Of they pop. And, and so it's this amazing, enchanting theatrical experience. And, and I think why it was so engaging, partly... All the grand tourists were there, but mm. very little of Pompeii and Herculaneum had been excavated. So everyone trotted off there expecting to get a commune with the wonders of Pompeii mm. and saw a load of lumps in the ground. Yeah. It wasn't that great. So when Napoleon came, he split it up. Uh, and so they, everyone was looking for the classical experience. And also what she also gives is at the time, the theatre uh, was very much a case of shouting your head off really there's amazing letters by Germans who say it's so funny because British actors take about 15 minutes to die because they have to (laughs) shout I'm dying running back across the stage to make sure that everyone who's in in the Drury Lane theatre has finished chatting eating talking to their neighbours talking to a courtesan it takes them 15 minutes to get the point across (laughs) so that death is happening (laughs) excuse me everyone I'm I'm dying stop eating oranges (laughs) (laughs) so the way in which she moves shows emotion not through speech but through a a movement in the eyes and a movement of the expression Mm. and moving between tragic and comic to us the fact that acting is a flick of an eyelid is is that's what it is when you watch the movies. That's a movie star who can because look, it's on a it's on a big uh, lens. It's all close yeah. up. But but as you say, I mean, she she cut her teeth on the stage, on the stage in London, and so, where it has to be loud and over the top. But she manages to bring it back. Absolutely. So mm. you have this the, the attitudes of this amazing experience of emotion through mm. the human face, and they are 
well, they were. I'm, I'm not saying, I, 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 I like the sun as if I was there myself, but sadly I can't yeah. make a time machine. But, uh, but it, it's, so she, it's, it's fascinating that this, when we, so obviously what we see later of her using her eyes to show emotion and spinning herself through words, that's exactly what we see in the early portraits when she's a very young girl, just, just about old enough to take her AS levels. Mm. And this is, the, these portraits, so that, that what, what creates her later fame, you can see every it's all embryonic in those early early portraits again i think this is one of the interesting things about how how complicated her life is she is from very humble stock isn't she and even when romney comes across her and i mean we should say the image we're actually looking at the one that's in front of us but it's the 1782 um and it's in the tate oil on canvas but it's a sketch it's a preparatory sketch isn't it for a, a, a much bigger and more um, more polished version of the theme, uh, which is Emma's cir- circuit. And this, but but it, this is the one that we've chosen because there's a there's such an allure mm. to her as a model. She's amazing, and the finished one is in Wadston Manor. It's in a rather marvelous room um, when you go, basically full of Lord Rothschild's favorite beautiful girls. There's all <laughs> these amazing women in the room. It's like fabulous ladies. <laughs> and this is the preparatory sketch, and the finished portrait is absolutely marvelous. But I think that this one has the biggest effect on the modern viewer because it is so much less finished. It's so much more sketch-like. And um, I loved it so much, I put it on the front of the hardback of my book. I loved it yeah. so much. I think it's... If I could if I could just steal one painting from the Tate, it would be that. It's normally out on display, so anyone listening can mm-hmm. go and see it. And um, what's wonderful about it, she's very young. She's 17. So just as you say, Nina, she came from very humble stock and um she came to london very young worked her way through all kinds of dubious entertainments to the temple of health with dr james graham a rather bizarre place full of the electrical bed and the electrical well, I was throne reading about all about, yeah. the idea that you get electric shocks and you're more likely to conceive absolutely yeah but they can't guarantee the sex so they <laughs> yeah, the electric shocks and on the electrical bed and she was modeling that and and then go, goes through all these different worlds of london and becomes a kept mistress mm. to a one man, Charles Greville. And he takes her on when she's very pregnant by one of his friends and only 16 and pregnant and desperate. And he takes her on when she's about six months pregnant as a mistress. Because she'd been taken off to a an extended stag do, is this right? Pretty she's been much sort of wheeled in a park, out as the amazing a park um, on the South Downs. Mm. And... Um, that Sir Harry Fanshawe, he's he's the first man who takes her on. He's a fun-loving man, but she gets pregnant, and when she's pregnant, he doesn't want anything to do with her. He pretty much throws her out on the street. And so his rather quiet, rather dull friend, Charles Greville, she writes to him, she begs him, he takes her on, six months pregnant, on condition. She changes her name from Amy Lyon, which it was, to Mrs Emma Hart, she stops seeing her old friends, so no more of the fun-loving types. And also he sets her to work. And what he sets her to work doing is modelling for his friend, George Romney. Right. So he sets her to work as a model. And obviously there's precedence for this. And, uh, for example, the Earl of Rochester uh, picking up Mrs Barry at the fair and yeah. using her as a great actress so the th- the problem is for an artist, for someone like Romney, Romney is this incredibly talented artist from humble background in, the, in the Lake District, yeah. and he can't quite make it to the Reynolds level. He's not 
cheated in the academy, mm-hmm. so everyone see he's not part of that elite. Well, he I, gets he gets done over by Reynolds, doesn't he? It leads to a lot. There's a there's a story about there being some real angst between yeah. Reynolds and uh, because of a payment of yes. what was supposed to be fifty pounds for winning a competition, yep. he gets twenty five. Yes. and he thinks it's Reynolds doing. Is that right? Yes, and so Reynolds became his uh, sort of great enemy really his mm. uh, he, he really detests Reynolds and Reynolds is this head of the academy he's got his own fabulous carriage he charges a huge amount for his portraits mm. and Romney is just as talented but because he's not part of that society it's very difficult for him to access it and also he's come up in through the apprenticeship system yep. you know left school at 11 he was very much um self-made self-taught but also as you say a bit out in the sticks he's doing all this up in the Lake District he's and it's only when he moves to London and really starts to cut his teeth that he requires this sort of a, a just a model that will bring life to his art isn't it and that's what he finds in Emma he does and Greville pays for him to go to Italy and Romney goes to Italy has all these amazing ideas but he needs a woman to make those life and it's very difficult to find a model at the time because respectable ladies would not model the only time that a respectable lady models is for her marriage portrait. So she's with her husband or she's just about to get married. And that is all about showing respectability, showing elite sensibility. It's not, it's not about showing emotion. It's, it's, it's about showing that she is a fit person to carry her husband's genes down the generation. And some are painted with their children, those very touching maternal portraits. But to Romney, those are tedious bread and butter. And you'd think that there would be any amount of young girls but courtesans don't like it they don't like modeling they complain that um it's it's too they complain essentially that the work is very tedious they have to stand up all day it's obviously quite physically demanding being a model i mean some of the accounts you hear of modeling is the cold it's the fatigue but also posing particularly with arms raised or arms in a pose it's incredibly physically draining it is fast i think i mean it's fascinating isn't it that i i both of us are probably a little bit of modeling a little bit for photo shoots and it is utterly exhausting and i have a great respect actually for those women who are professional models and yes you have to stand there with your arm in the air it is it is very uh, physically demanding so it's physically so that a lot of the courtesans find it too difficult and hard but also they hate the idea that their image will be preserved because everyone will know they're a courtesan because they modelled for this kind mm. of painting. So it's very difficult to find a beautiful woman who re- will agree to this kind of work, which exactly is Greville takes on Emma as a mistress because he wants her, but also he can make money from her. And the idea is that he and Romney, they will split the money. So Romney will make paintings of Emma, sell them off, and he and Greville will split the profits and Emma will just get, uh, well, uh, a nice a roof over her head. Because it's very similar to now. I've got a friend who works at Sotheby's and says that apart from the old masters, what really sells in terms of portraits is number one, beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And number two, horses. <laughs> Three children, children. four dogs. dogs. That is the British Absolutely. market. Oh, the British market. Yeah. So no one wants to buy those portraits of those um, respectable male burgers, these respectable men. They want these gorgeous women. But that's, there's this huge demand for them, and that's what Romney saw. And Emma, um, she had modelled before, we think, in the early days, but not been, been a bit too flippity gibbet for it she had other things but now she knew this was her only way she needed she needed work. it and yeah. her child was her, her, she she so she gave birth to her child 
and it was sent off to little girl was sent off to board mm. in the north uh very hard for her but round about the pregnancy she's modeling she's modeling for romney mm. and this is it she's a huge hit and this one it's not the first but it's one of the very earliest portraits that he painted the sketch for emma as as um cersei and what i really so the finished portrait is of obviously of her holding up her hand turning the men into into swine mm. and it looks very decorous to us but but to any 18th century person they'd know that this was a well the classicism i mean this is this is another aspect of the this is another reason why i adore looking at romney and emma as a theme in art history because actually it's this idea of classicism playing into every area of life in architecture garden design you know we talk about arcadia but this idea that people would be able to recognize instantly the story the backstory behind this image um and when she does her attitudes it's almost like charades they're guessing oh is it medusa is it cleopatra can they tell? And it's almost, it's showing off knowledge, it's showing off understanding of the ancients. Um, and, and and it does look rather OTT, you might think, it the finished one. It does look OTT. And also, anyone would know that she was she was a lady of not perfect repute from this. I mean, the ankle is on show. Well, it, even the uh, the old... Um, well, it's the bosom, yes, but the, actually yes. the ankle is... It's the more most, shocking. It's the most devotic part of a woman's <laughs> body. I mean, because the ankle is the bit that always gets covered up because when a lady... When a lady is a, it comes out from a, a teenage girl to a woman. Her, her skirts are about mid calf for a little girl, about fifteen. Comes out, they drop to the floor, and no one except your lucky husband might see your ankle. So this ankle on show here and her foot is pretty. Um, it's hot stuff. It's, hot, put, stuff. it's hot stuff. I know. Forget the fact she has one breast it hanging out. About, <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't matter about the yeah. The boobs were. Boobs are fine. Boobs are everywhere. Fine. Boobs are fine. Yes. Yeah, so God is, forbid you should it, see an ankle. It is. It, it, it is fascinating how. The forbidden parts of what we fetishize. I mean, now I don't think, I'm sure there are huge sites devoted to female ankles, but now we just, we see ankles all the time. But then, so this, it is a, it is a, this portrait is absolutely beautiful, but mm. it is focused very much on the body. But the portrait, the sketch of her face, and what I think is so amazing about this is it's the the, the, the kinetic energy Mm. of Romney around the face and around the hair. It's the hair, it's the hair. It's always caught me the hair because I was saying about painting a slightly different early sketch of her, but it's the way that he makes the hair look windswept and the paint swirls. If you actually paint it yourself... The only way to get those brush strokes is to just move the brush huh. really fast over the canvas. Huh. And it is almost as if the wind huh. is blowing through the hair. I, I can't draw a thing, so but I'm fascinated by that. a great that. word. That's exactly what it is. It's almost, it is all about the movement on the canvas. You're absolutely right. But this one has just fascinated you, It's obviously. amazing. Yeah. And what I, I mean, it was very striking is when you compare this to portraits of women at the time, mm. they are so different. So what they what they have is their faces are heavily powdered Mm. even though powder was really going out of fashion by this point their faces are heavily powdered the hair is heavily powdered and their eyes are really these sort of tiny pinpricks because it's almost too alluring too enchanting too too naked to have these big eyes as 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 emma has here and and so they're a a portrait of a woman at the time they are there's a great one uh, reynolds lady skidmore yes that um she is Two two things that's fascinating. She has these powdered face, powdered hair. She's the same age as Emma. Mm. She's very young, teeny tiny eyes. And yes, she's got a high neck blouse, but whatever. But what's also fascinating is that all those portraits of women, they turn away from the viewer. So they've got got the cheek um, or the cheek where they're looking her down. Whereas Emma here is looking 
right at Absolutely. you. And, and that, so we have the, obviously Romney was later very good friends with Blake and the idea of the romantic idea of eyes being the window of the, of the soul is so what you see. I mean, you know, sometimes I think there's still that now. So I've, I've done a bit of looking at magazines and the majority of shots of women in say, hello and okay and that kind of thing, they're not looking directly no. at you. They're looking away. And the people who look directly at you are the more, it seems more brazen. So it's the startling, that, isn't it? it? Men, men, on all the 18th century portraits of men, they look straight at you. Well, it's 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 the, the age-old art history issue about the profile versus the, the front frontal pose. And traditionally, going way back, the frontal pose is the pose for the divine. So God's look out portraits of Jesus Mary they look straight out at you but if you're going to do portraits you do them in profile and the the idea of turning the face it's like Dura does it Dura does it in his self-portrait I have a massive crush on Dura <laughs> Dura's self-portrait is gorgeous but he looks out with this sort of Christ-like face but you're but you're right because this is this is brazen because of the facing frontal but but it's the the freshness of the cheeks she's flushed she's energized her lips are parted it's very sensual her mouth's open and then there are these dark black eyes that sort of her, look her out at you eyes are amazing mm. and i think really you see uh she's obviously an incredibly beautiful woman there's mm. there's no there's no denying that but I, it, you see so much more there that she's much more than just a beautiful model. She's, the eyes, they're a pure, pure soul. Mm. And it, it, that, that, that reflect, and the fact that she's willing to be so exposed yes. without the powder, without the, the tiny eyes. That's coming she's through. willing to be so exposed. And, to, and, and, and Romney, is, you can really see the passion that he has for her. And obviously her as a woman but also her as a model because the movement that the the, the the ability to show emotion which she's doing so brilliantly here and of course does in the attitudes that you mm. the, the attitudes that you're talking about they this this ability that she has to sort of channel emotion mm. uh like the greatest actresses i think is incredibly unique and this this portrait really shows it i think you're absolutely right i mean i'm i'm it's so exciting talking to you about this because it's it's an image that has stuck with me that has has drawn me in but the more the more you actually pull it apart and explore it, the more you can find reasons for it. And actually, I think what it is, is there's so many images of women in art, so many, it's exhaustive. And, and the idea that you, you paint your mistress naked, it goes way back. So there's all these women who are clearly attractive, beautiful, good-looking women. But there's something else that's coming through with Emma that is she's more than that. She is charisma. She's energy. She's intelligent. She's vibrant. She's She's able to be more than just a beautiful model. And, and that's true in her life, but it's true in the way that Romney paints her. Mm. And that's why the, both the paintings, but also Emma's reputation have lasted, mm. do you think? Yes, I absolutely agree. I think that she, yes, she didn't have a formal education, but she had this incredible emotional intelligence. And that's mm. what she was for so many people, a channel for their great emotion and great passion and, and, and played in very heavily into this huge romantic huge love affair she has with nelson well yes we have to explore yes, the relationship she, with nelson don't you're we? absolutely yeah. right i mean when you there's she is not objectified she is there herself she's modeling herself and styling herself and it partly is because romney had great respect for her she was a teenager he was a middle-aged man but he had great respect for her and because of her ability as a model and her plasticity really the fact that she was so flexible and open to mood but really she was purely channeling moods and I think 
I think we don't always realise how almost impossible that is. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to be that, to be purely exposed and purely open. So many of us have so many barriers, but to be purely open and naked and exposed to the eye, which is exactly what she is. I think it's the, the greatest actresses and the greatest and, and indeed the greatest models. And, and with Romney, she has a synergy. He has many other models. She has other painters, yeah. but she has this extraordinary synergy with him. It is it is interesting when you compare relationship. Yeah, other images, other painters who have painted her, you don't get that relationship. I mean, this is one this this feels to me like she is looking into Romney's eyes, that yeah. there is a connection between painter and model that is 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 almost unprecedented and is not replicated in the others. But what I'm really intrigued by, the fact that she's so young at this stage and yet it's all there, all that charisma is there. She must have been the most extraordinary woman, a real exception because she rises to the heights of such celebrity and yet she does it as you say with this openness of who she is she is having to channel moods she's having to channel all these things for her art but I think there is a a sincerity and an integrity in the quality of her her character right that comes through when she's very very young even at that point do you see her as a very exceptional person I do see her as very exceptional I I absolutely agree I think it's the sincerity of her emotion that is so striking and yes sometimes it goes the wrong way and and but the sincerity of her emotion and her passion is is incredible Mm. and she is very exceptional and that is partly why she had this amazing rise. Yes, she was lucky. Yes, she was beautiful. Yes, she was in the right place at the right time. But you to do this incredible rise, so Greville uh, with Romney, uh, Greville uh, decided to sell her off pretty much to his uncle, Sir William oh, Hamilton. Awful. Uh, <laughs> Greville wanted a, a wife. He wanted a respectable wife, but no respectable father would marry a daughter to Greville with Emma Hamilton hanging around, of course, Emma Hart as she was then. Uh, and what's very striking is that she didn't know she was being got rid of. She's sent off just before she's 21, arrives in Naples to the uncle, Sir William Hamilton, on her 21st birthday. Who's nearly 60 at this yeah. stage. She didn't know she was being sold off. But Romney does. And Romney starts painting her frenetically, desperately, over and over again, while while she's she's in the run-up to going to Naples. She thinks she's going for a six-month holiday. And then after it, oh Greville's going to marry her. He, she thinks she's going over there to get a bit of polish, singing, dancing, languages. Oh and But Romney, Romney knows the truth. So, so Romney he's, he's knows pay- she's not coming back. He knows she's not coming back. And he paints her wildly, madly, <gasps> hugely, he, and starts a huge amount of canvas, actually, of us. And a lot of them have been lost. I mean, very, very many of Romney's portraits of her were lost. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. One of the things I'm fascinated about with Romney's attitude towards her, he sketches her, but then what's so interesting about painting for models is obviously a lot of the time you're trying to capture an essence. It's like taking a photograph and you need the model there in front of you. But he sketches her from memory. He sketches her when she's not around. He takes draft sketches and works them up when she's not there and that shows that he he's almost got a, a you know picture of her in his head that he can work from um and just wants to replicate her image even when she's not around there's no one like her for him he does write this rather wonderful letter much later saying that he's had many fine ladies mm. sitting for him but um she's the one she they're they're like the muse, she's yeah. his muse, yeah. and and it's, it's, that's, that's again, she, he, he, he does write this wonderful letter later saying he's had many ladies sitting for him and they can't compare to her. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, I, 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 one of the things that's interesting about this one as well is because she's not being cast as a particular character, I mean, often, often you'll see it was back in, you know, like, there's so many different characters yeah. that he paints yeah. for us. This is, is a sketch for the bigger image but there's none of the attributes there are there isn't the the setting there isn't the the backdrop the setting in fact is the backdrop in this is in fact is really interesting because it is just such a dark backdrop he does this a lot when he paints her her hair is quite dark in this and he makes the hair almost blend into the background so what you're struck with is that pale pale skin and the eyes that sort of emerge out of the pale skin but um but there's such an intensity and immediacy to it. It does change. And, you know, he does paint her in different guises, doesn't he? So as you go through, you know, she's being a bit coy and cheeky in some images. She's flamboyant, laughing. She 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 can take on many, many different personalities in his paintings, yes. can't she? And it's very striking when as she becomes Sir William Hamilton's mistress. She accepts Greville's not coming back for her. She's heartbroken, but... William Hamilton is kind to her. He 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 doesn't push himself on her, and eventually she becomes his mistress. They do the attitudes together, and he is only meant to take her for a little while and then send her back. But he's enchanted by her too, falls in love with her. Not what Greville really expected. I don't <laughs> think he really expected her to become his essentially step aunt, and brings her back to England to marry her. And there they get married uh, in a very quiet ceremony. But what she does do is she makes the time to sit for Romney. She hasn't got much time at all, so she makes the time to sit for him. And it's wonderful, because on the day of her wedding, in the morning, she sits for him. And then after her wedding, she goes back and sits for him to get the portrait finished. And in the morning, the sitter's book says, Mrs. Hart. And in the afternoon, it says... Lady, Lady Hamilton. Hamilton. It says Lady Hamilton. It's wonderful. What a document. It's really oh, wonderful. Oh, but what commitment. I mean, I, I love Emma. She strikes me as a woman after our heart. You know, the idea that she's just... She's 
prepared to make the most of herself in a world that's really not sort of focused on women yeah. achieving. And she she won't be pushed down. Absolutely. Mm. And she knows that uh, William Hamilton wants the wedding to be quiet. He doesn't want any talk about it mm. because she is from this very, very humble background. But she knows that if she gets Rumley to paint her, mm. he will put the picture up in his studio. And studios at the time, they were... Because there's no art galleries like we have now, they 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 were they had these very very differing um, functions. They were partly a place where you could meet people. They were partly a place of social. You could go there and look at the different uh, sitters' books and look at ideas for poses. But you'd also go there and look at the beautiful paintings. So on a Sunday afternoon, you and I would go off to the we'd go off to the artist studio to have a look. So she knows that the fine people of London will be going to his studio and seeing the portrait mm-hmm. of her. And that's the the, the the painting he paints of her on her wedding day, last time he ever paints her from life. And it's the only one in which she is not a, a mood, not a goddess, not Miranda. She is, and she she's very dec- decorously dressed. She is the ambassadress in that one. And he has a picture of her, uh, <laughs> as they all do, any painting of anyone anywhere near Naples, has to have a picture of Vesuvius of it does. in the background <laughs> exploding. So that's what we've got. Um, and that is uh, the, his his finest goodbye to Gosh. her. The finest goodbye he could possibly give to her. He paints her as the most... And she's not. And she's looking absolutely not straight at the mm. viewer. She's over the shoulder. It's purely profile. She is the most respectable-looking lady you can imagine. And that is... His, that is the end of their relationship. For Emma, it is, but for him, just as you were saying, Nina, it never ends. Mm. He's always painting her. He's always thinking about her. She's always on his mind. Hmm. I, I mean, just the idea that um, that that he wants to show her through the style of his art, evolving from this 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 raw and naive young girl into the ambassadress, this respectable woman, and 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 the way that he dresses her, and the way that even that subtle gesture of turning her three pro- yeah. three quarter profile that is such a a technical yet beautiful device for him to have employed in, yeah. on her wedding day Gosh, it's, it's a pure moving. tribute yes it, it's very very moving and he absolutely saw that mm. she had succeeded and gained this incredible position in society the wife of the envoy to naples the essentially ambassador's wife the representative and what's very striking is that in those days it was definitely seen that the king and queen that their stand-ins yes. was the envoy and his wife so emma is she's officially the queen, hasn't she? officially yeah. she is above all the other women in in her society of course she should have been seen by the king and queen mm-hmm. george iii should have invited her to see him because number one her husband is the envoy number two he's a great aristocrat and you expect to meet the after marriage but no she does not get a court visit and that's a problem because it means she can't go to her court the the home court but luckily on the way back from the wedding this fast marriage in in London she is called to meet Marie Antoinette in the Tuileries because Marie Antoinette's sister is Queen of Naples and Marie Antoinette is desperately desperately trying to get any help she can because she knows that well Revolution. Things ain't looking good. Yeah. So she's under house arrest in the Tuileries. It's not the if it, not the arrest, the more severe arrest that happened after they all tried to escape, dressed as servants in the royal barouche. Not that one. But she knows that things are difficult and she's begging her sister for help. And Emma goes to see her and takes a letter from her. And what an inc- incredible meeting that 
Emma is this girl from nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And she's been, <laughs> she's, meeting she's with the, the ambassadress of, uh, yeah. and she has met with Marie Antoinette and she's on her way to be, as she became a great confidant of the Queen of Naples. Amazing. And this, it is amazing. And in a society now that 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 we 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 hope it's a class of society, but we know it's not. Oh the massive gosh. divisions we have in Britain show, but somewhat that the, the the level of mobility that that Emma had perhaps suggests there's perhaps sometimes more mobility in the 18th century than there is now. But you know what really interests me about this as well, because I'm not a great believer in the genius or the idea that that some. I, I believe that people can be created into being successful or they can make themselves successful but with with someone like Emma the reason that she surprises me so much is she must have had this this gem of something something about her because not only is she able to rise so high which you know women from from any elite circle would have desired that role hugely but she's coming to that from nothing from no education and not just from nothing but but from actually ignominity having had an illegitimate child having been passed around having been on the stage having been a model to go from all that notoriety and yet secure the ear and the confidence of of the top levels of society that is such an astronomical rise that it, it again makes me question why is she doing why is that possible for her it must have been something about her i think she is we're saying pure essence yeah. pure emotion and that was absolutely in and the beauty and the fact that her face i mean she is beautiful but mm. i think there's many more who are more so absolutely and it's it's i think it's that she's pure emotion and she was almost like this kind of incredible vector for emotion. That's what I think. Is, so other people could feel their emotions through her. I th- yes, mm. and I think that certainly, um, I think the big the big jump for her was marrying Sir William. Mm. I think that once she's in that position, she she is an incredible position, and it literally was because he he did fall in love with her. And yes, as you say, lots of other artistic widows were hanging around him he was recently widowed himself so yeah, he, he was desirable lots of other artistic widows were hanging around and were popping in as we yeah. might oh, so William might just need yes, something love to see a vase <laughs> <laughs> love those vases <laughs> any more vases yes. from Pompeii so curvy <laughs> yes, yes, so there were and, and, and he fell in love with her and it is much more complex than just an older man and a younger woman it's, it's much more meaningful and I think to him she was pure emotion, pure essence. And really, up until the time she fell in love with Nelson, they were in- incredibly, incredibly happy. Well, like- this is where we're going now, of course, because if that wasn't enough, you know, at the point where Romney paints her as the ambassador, so the fact that she's, she's got reached that point, she has everything. She's not even 30 and she's got everything. And then there is one individual out there in the world who is more notorious, more, more heroic, more written about, more important than any, and that is Nelson. And she captures, captures his heart. Yeah, she does. And she meets. She'd met him before the Battle of the Nile in 1798. She's met him before, but she hadn't been that impressed by him. Uh, five years before, he hadn't really got all those victories. Yeah. And he he wasn't much of a looker, Nelson. He was obviously a brilliant man, great strategist, a genius. But he was small and plain and a bit ginger. <laughs> And he wasn't, was he it? hadn't had much success with women at all. No. And he was rather unhappily married. He'd, he'd married a woman he met out in 
um, Nevis near Antigua and it had not been a successful marriage. She found a bit of a difference between the Caribbean and Norfolk in the winter. <laughs> no. Yes. Really? Can't imagine the difference. Wet and muddy. <laughs> and Emma really went all out after he won the Battle of the Nile to capture him, partly to get into Naples for her beloved Queen of Naples, Maria Carolina. They were these best chums. Beloved Maria Carolina. She wanted Nelson there because it was thought that only he, only he, after the Battle of the Nile, his, uh, his incredible victory against Napoleon, only he could get rid of the French troops, could turn them back, could stop them, could scare them off. And partly it was that, but partly it was the fact that she was fascinated by him. She wanted his fame. She wanted to meet this man who was even more extraordinary and incredible. And of course, from a humble background than her. And she went all out to capture him, oh, captivate him. When you read it, there's the account of where where Nelson writes back to his wife, doesn't he? And he says, and she... She's charming and she's wonderful, but she's been, she sighs all over him. Oh, oh gosh, Lord Nelson. And it's all a bit sort of cringy. It wasn't very subtle. It <laughs> wasn't subtle. playing hard to get. So this letter that I found, you know, and then I just thought, this is amazing because she's, she writes to him. She's putting it out on a plate. She's saying she's agitation. She's saying she's pleasure. She's saying she's been Nelsoned all over, covered her whole dress is covered in anchors. She's wearing an anchor headband. <laughs> this was the thing. She's pure anchors. She says, for God's sake, come to Naples soon because Sir William and I are impatient to embrace you. And yeah, it wasn't Sir William who was yeah. impatient to embrace <laughs> him. No. It was her. And she, she cre- almost creates herself into this tribute for Nelson. And what I think, this is actually where her class helps her mm. because respectable women would not do this and Nelson's wife actually hated this she hated the fame she hated people making dances for her but yeah, Emma would do that she'd have ridiculous setups where they'd have a dinner party and she'd kiss his sword and talk about how much she'd devote herself to him <laughs> she'd make these huge huge excessive dramatic statements of love not very British we might say no not, I, I, I love Again, she's it's just it. this freedom of, it, of, of not being constricted by society. She wasn't constricted. And and, and that actually captures hearts. And it's it did it capture was his amazing. heart. You'd have thought it would be unsubtle. You'd have thought he'd have, he'd have just seen through it. Oh, come it. on, Emma. But my God, he, he just, he fell for her hook, line, and sinker. He did. And the, I mean, the first meeting's amazing because she, he gets this letter from her and, of course, can't be in Naples fast enough yeah. he, he, he said okay chaps up the anchor we're off to help Lady <laughs> Hamilton should have been going elsewhere went off to Naples and he arrives in Naples and expect to see the king or the queen or Sir William Hamilton but it's not Emma she gets her own little boat she goes up beside Nelson's boat and she clambers onto it and then when he's on the deck expecting the king she starts running towards him and she has this amazing hair it's probably down somewhere to her feet. Amazing hair. We, of course, know, Nina, that this is the point when ladies have cast off the corset. Oh. It's free. So everything's running free. Good she's a, grief. She's a wild, unruly hair. Wild hair, wild <laughs> body, the large bosoms that oh, William Hamilton called sugar loaves. It's all going there. Wow. Five foot ten of her. I think she, we think she's about five foot ten. So she's, she's quite tall as well. Big, well, one gentleman said, by God, what a whapper. <laughs> Big, a big girl, and she heads towards Nelson. All this hair, all this smile, all this, all this Emma. And she sees him, and she shouts, "God, is it possible?" And then she faints (laughs) right on top of him. And Nelson, well, 
you know, just imagine if it was you and me and oh I was God. five foot ten and had this hair and the And you just came running with and the buzzers. Oh and um, you're about five foot six and you're exhausted by your victories yeah. and you've only got one arm. I've only arm. got one yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah, one I mean, arm and, you're throwing yourself yeah, at me. Throwing, and she falls on him. She falls on him and he faints too oh, under the weight of Emerson. The pair of them are on the deck of his ship in front of everyone. I mean, in a way, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I mean... I mean, it's so embarrassing. It is, it's cringy. But, it's so cringy. But it's also sort of the, lo- the stuff so of love cringy. movies. It's so cringy. But that was... She... Let, let, she'd embrace the cringe. cringe. She embraced the cringe. Love her for that. She loved the cringe. And Nelson loved the cringe too. Oh. And so that minute where she threw him... I mean, you might be afraid of rejection. You yeah. might fear that you'd look silly. She never... In front of everyone. She just threw herself at him. Literally, did figuratively in every way and Nelson thought it was the most marvellous thing he'd ever experienced and that was the oh, really it kind of makes my heart swell I think it's lovely and and I mean it is that it, when you look at it on a from a clinical point of view you've got the two biggest English celebrities in the world yeah, together. together and then of course it gets Bombed deeply up. mad when they go back to London with William Hamilton and Emma's mother living in a house together and it's almost like it's scandal then isn't it it's actually it, at that point it reaches the level of scandal doesn't it when they go back to London they mm. they, they go back in this great Nelson roadshow on the way back mm. and the whole of Europe is fating him and wearing ends so there are two ways to dress in the Napoleonic uh, Nelson times to, to show our love of Nelson so you and I Nina we'd either be sporting the Nelson look or the Nile look so the Nelson mm. look is simpler so it would just be giant ends. So we'd have kind of a giant end here on awesome. our chest can, and a giant end on our dress. And I can go with that, ends. Nina. I can go with this. anchors around our neck. It's gold, though. It's all got to be okay. gold. And I know you prefer silver, oh, so we've got to gold it up. Yeah. A Nile look, we'd really be both dressed as crocodiles, um, sitting here in the crocodile shoes, the crocodile look. Um dressed as a pyramid or a sphinx so that and and you would decorate your house in in that look as well so there should be giant ends on my wall there was just uh, everything came out of the factories of nelson stuff nelson crocus planters nelson doorknobs nelson curtains nelson everything you could possibly have if you and uh, nelson loved it of course but you could also have the mummies and there was a very popular wedgewood jelly mold with the sphinx on top so you could always have sphinx for your tea i mean this so is this is it's all level celebrity this is beyond this is sort of hysteria nelson stuff and emma yeah. there's a lot of emma stuff as well but of course the difference between emma and nelson and the modern day celebrity is that the modern day celebrity monetizes mm. their image in that sense i believe that uh rihanna sued um a fashion store because they had a picture of her on a t-shirt and she said that's me so but at this point nelson isn't monetizing these nelson brooches nelson fans nelson ribbons nelson nelson bugs nelson everything and neither is is emma and they so they come back to london and it is this menage a trois that nelson has this house merton that he buys and it's ostensibly his house but it's his and Emma's house, he packs it full of Nelson stuff and Nile stuff and Nelson crocus planters and it looks like a great, full of pictures of him, full of pictures of her and it is, it is packed with the local society and it's, it's heartbreaking for Nelson's wife because yes, it's not a love match, yes, she finds it hard to pay tribute to him. But they in, are legally married. But they are legally married and she is a very respectable woman mm. and another reason really why it was so easy for him to move to Emma and also to publicly move to Emma 
was because he had not had children by his wife. Yeah. And this is a period in which being child free, yeah. which every other week there's a week, there's a ultimate being child free. You, you're not child free in the 18th century. And two children is obviously not good either. For a man like Nelson of virility, you expect to have six, six seven, seven, eight, yeah, nine, ten. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's very hard for him not to have children, partly as a man of his, uh, he, he, he is a very uh, paternal man anyway, but also it's a man of great virility and great power that both he and Napoleon, it's this kind of strange marriage really there are great enemies and both of them have in common that they have this struggle for a child it's very sad and I think what you see the legacy after his death where I mean we've been talking for ages we're gonna have to wind up in a sec but 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 Emma's end is so tragic and she does give him a child Horatia she does but upon his death all the talk of inheritance is to Nelson's brother and and nothing goes to Emma Yes, yeah, so she does give him a child. Mm. It's, it's he's absolutely thrilled. If if Fanny had had six sons, there's no way he could have put her aside so publicly. Yeah. But she does give him a child, and they do have great happiness. So William dies in 1802 with Emma holding one hand and Nelson holding the other. Poor man, nice and normal. Yeah, poor man, <laughs> uh, bit, bit bit tired of it all by them. And but they do have great happiness together. But then he leads for, leads for Trafalgar, dies at Trafalgar. And after that, Emma really does collapse into debt. They were already in debt in the expectation that he'd come back from Trafalgar with Rich. huge prize money, which he would have done. I mean, if he came back alive, he would have been showered with anything he wanted. Absolutely. But Emma begins to collapse into debt and increasingly there's no way of getting her out of it. She sells Merton, no one wants to buy it. Uh, she is. She doesn't. She doesn't remarry quickly because she, as you should, as a widow in those days, because she wants to keep Nelson's flame. Well, also, she doesn't. She almost turn Merton into a, a sort of cenotaph for him. That it's yes, it's, it's, it's just a, she it's a, a great big tribute. Of, yeah, of Nelson well, she spends a fortune on the architecture. Yeah, she Nelson. absolutely. And so she has this very sad end. She dies in Calais in utter penury, accompanied by poor Horatia, this teenage girl having to witness this awful decline of her mother going, going living in prison and as was the custom in the 18th century all your money your will goes to your male heir nelson says look after lady hamilton he does leave her merton he does but that is a bit of a uh a sort of money drain uh because it, it's already in debt and he says look after lady hamilton but, it, but he does as is customary leave his money to his brother that's what they did yeah. but his brother despite the fact that he has prevailed on Emma's hospitality frequently in England, uh, doesn't give her anything. And she collapses further and further into debt. And so then you have a woman who really came from nothing, goes to the great height of riches, of celebrity, of royalty, of being fated and talked about, and her fashions copied, the attitudes were copied. There's a book you can buy, Do Your Own Attitudes, to charm your husband uh, and everything and then she goes absolutely back to penury crumbling penury and the, the poverty is so great at the end that they Horatia is even briefly held for the debts of her mother before the consul sends her off and the only reason why they're in Calais is to escape the debt collectors to escape she, yeah and 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 then ends up in as you said like a debtor's prison but but she's gambling she's She's ill. She's got liver failure. Ultimately, well, yeah. no, she she does actually die eventually of uh, um, of dysentery, doesn't dysentery, she? Dysentery. But the, as you say, she's drunk a lot. She yeah. has become an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, she is a not even fifty, and she's a broken woman by the end of it. Not she even knows. ten years after Nelson's death. It's a 
it, the, sh- the star that she has, I think it shines so bright, it burns itself out. I think she is amazing. Her, her amazing, her charisma is amazing. The way in which, as we we're saying, she is an incredible vector, mm. extraordinary vector for emotion, for feeling. And that's what gives her this amazing trajectory. And then this, it's too much. Fall. Sometimes perhaps it, she is too much for the world that she finds herself in wow. she's too much and and so the world makes her it and she break as you say she was not bound by convention you're completely right you know the world makes her but in the end that fact that she won't be bound money money is this tedious old thing that brings us all down and she burns so brightly and falls to the ground you know the saddest thing for me is that her daughter Horatia never acknowledged her as her mother after her mother died is it, that right? The only way for Horatia to survive in Victorian Britain, in Vic, Britain is no, it's, things are all different after mm. Emma's death. It's no longer take your mistress to the theatre yeah. and parade her around anymore. Mm. It's about Role Victorian mm. values. It's about respect for women. Yes, the mistresses are still there, but they're behind closed doors and they're hidden. Yeah. And so the only way for Horatia to survive, really, and make a go of her life is to make it clear that Nelson was her father but forget Emma as her mother, and that that it that is as a consequence she does, she is she get, becomes the ultimate Victorian matron. I think it's a fantastic rebellion, and she has her ten children. She has her ten with children. What stuff. happens to the great it girl, the glamorous it girl, the daughter <laughs> of the most two most famous people in the in the world in Europe? She marries a local vicar and becomes a mother of ten children, yeah. and is the most respectable Victorian matron you can imagine. How it goes around. We, from one painting, you know, we've gone through this whole life of this remarkable woman. I mean, we've we've talked for a long time and we could talk more and we'll we'll have to talk more because there's still more to explore. But I do think, you know, being able to talk to to you about this painting has been amazing. It's been amazing. And I think what's incredible is that at the end, Emma's life, it it does lack dignity Mm. and it is sad and it's a sad end. But what we have of her is these amazing paintings that she died, we all die, yeah. but these will never die. They, We talk about the future and all these robots, <laughs> and I know that if robots, they will appreciate these paintings. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I don't know what you saw. But what, what I find amazing is that Emma's life, at the end, it did, did lack dignity. It was sad. It was a sad end. But these paintings, they... We have them forever. They'll never die. She died. She fell to earth. Her star was over. But these paintings are always there and they are vibrant, amazing, emotional. And I just don't think they can be matched. I agree. And Art Detective listeners, you need to have a look at uh, particularly this this image, which will accompany the podcast. You'll be able to look at it. It'll be embedded into the podcast. But go out, explore some of these images of Emma, not just by Romney. Other people painted her. She was so unique and striking. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed listening. Kate, it has just been a most wonderful pleasure. Thank you so much. It's Aww. been so kind of you to come and It's been an amazing privilege to be an art detective. I'm such a fan of the ah! series. And I know that Emma, if she was here, would like to be interviewed too. Oh, so, let's go. Yeah, you imagine. She'd be here well, too. I've got I've got better with well, you. I'm thrilled to be but... incredibly, incredibly kind of you, and uh, she is the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful character. And yeah, it's been for me. It was an incredible privilege to write a book on her. To spend five years of my life studying this fabulous woman, 
and uh, you, you can never forget. Once you've give, been with that for a minute, you can never forget. Give her. the listeners the details of your book again, because oh. I'm sure they're all going to be hungry to go out and buy it now. Well, my book is called England's Mistress, The Infamous Life of Emma Hamilton. And it is an ebook, and it is a uh, audio book, and it is on Amazon or good bookshops. <laughs> and there is the hardback has the, this portrait on it, but the paperback has a very sort of glamorous portrait of a very glamorous lady. So mm. any good bookshop will have the books there. And it was a it was to spend five years of my life with with her was an amazing amazing privilege. Gosh. And you know what it's like, Nina. Your first book it is it's scary. It's a wonderful you ha- you thing. You lose yourself in it's it. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. Your first book is mm. is such a wonderful moment and to see Emma on those shelves in the bookshops looking out with your name next to it and uh, yeah, the big eyes um, and you're on Twitter aren't you Kate I'm on Twitter if you want to follow you what's your handle my handle is, is Kate and then Williams and then me and I'm on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook and yes. you're always doing the most exciting, wonderful things, and I'd advise everybody to follow. Oh, Lovely, Kate. Be thrilled, and I've been, been. It's been amazing to be on Art Tech, <laughs> and I hope that you've all enjoyed hearing about this fabulous lady and her fabulous life. Yeah, thank you so much, Kate. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend the Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.